0: martin you know the video's off so you can take your shirt off if you want
1: actually it's already off uh, that you have to know oh
0: god oh what is this show becoming and
1: i'm back from a trip to thailand so i'm fairly presentable nice tan
0: (laughs) (laughs) it's a fact (laughs) all right videos going on cue the music Hi and hello, Watch fans, and welcome to another edition of The Real Time Show with me, your friendly neighborhood watchmaker, and my co-host, Alan Ben-Joseph, who's going to be licking the boots of today's guest, who is Martin Fry, his childhood hero in the world of watchmaking. Don't worry, I'm going to edit that out. Probably. Maybe. Probably not. It sounded great, though. (laughs) You can leave that in. All right. Martin, good morning.
2: Good morning, good morning. For you, it is also morning, I take it. So, I am in Amsterdam, and Rob, you are in Dresden?
0: Yeah, I'm in Dresden, Yep.
2: Today. So, um, we're all in the same time zone. Yes. Um, Mr. Martin Fry, co-founder of URwerk. For our Dutch fans, that sounds very natural. (laughs) We call a watch movement an URwerk. All right. With two U's, so it Uh comes very natural to us. I am super honored to have you on the show, sir, because you, together with Felix, your co-founder, Felix Baumgartner, are my youth horological heroes Wow good I mean I like to hear that and this is no exaggerations for those that are listening to us um, know that we do real talks on the real-time show. You guys reached an amazing anniversary quarter of a century this year, so congratulations on that well, thank you thanks a lot and and for the young collectors or the new collectors that are new to watchmaking, they might say, oh. Cool, UREC is amazing, it's special, but why is it so innovative? If we go back in time, and this is my personal story, 1997, when you guys started, I was 17, 18. I obviously grew up in this industry, like your co-founder, Felix, and you have this clean-cut vision when you entered the watchmaking industry. The only innovative thing back then for me was maybe Porsche design with IWC, starting to work with titanium, crazy watches, compass hidden under a watch, mm-hmm. pushers pushed into the case, but nothing spectacular. Mm-hmm. Then my dad showed me the Antiqua by Vianney Halter, and then that sparked something in me. I'm like, whoa, you can show time in a different way. Subtels pushed apart. It It piqued my interest for steampunk. But then I saw your watches. <laughs> and that was my horological big bang that blew my mind. I'm like, whoa. It sparked my fascination for design, watchmaking, creativity, futuristic. And obviously, we all liked Star Wars, Star Trek. And and then coming up, and I'm, I'm a bit younger, but uh, grew up with that stuff. So I have been your fan since 1997 unfortunately still i don't own an Uwe piece me myself personally but you guys are very high up my holy grail list so i'm gonna shut up now thank you for coming on the show i've been admiring everything you guys done and within brands i'd never like everything they do in your collection there is not one watch i wouldn't want to wear and own so kudos to you gentlemen.
1: Well, thanks a lot. That uh, is a very nice compliment, of course. And, uh, of course, that we, we, we did this uh, fully on purpose, you know. That's exactly what we like to inspire, what we like to trigger, that people um, who see our watches and who somehow get to know our watches, um, you know, feel the, that same fascination for, for what we are doing um, that we feel and that we can inspire people, and I think it's it's a question of when you were, when you work on a thing like this, you you, you kind of like heat up uh, the thing that you work on. You know that's what you enjoy most doing it. And so the, the, the process of creating a, a, a timepiece is is of course a really enjoyable uh, work, even though you sometimes feel uh, face uh, problems and so. But then. Normally, that's the, the the highlight moment for the engineers and also for the designer because when you when you face a problem, you have to find a solution to resolve the problem, and it's somehow like a ping pong game, you know, uh, trying to resolve problems and trying to somehow make out of a, something that uh, maybe at some point looks like a problem, um, make out of that uh, somehow the the, the next uh, inspiration point. So. It's, it's, it's a really enjoyable game. And, and of course, uh, we, we like to heat up this, these objects, uh, that we work on so that this heat is felt, you know, when you look at the, when you look at the piece or when you wear it, uh, all intentionally, so to say.
2: <laughs> For those that are not familiar with Urek that much, Felix Baumgartner, third generation watchmaker from Schaffhausen, met with our guest, Martin Frey when they both were going towards graduation in both Swiss, in Switzerland. And if I'm correct, you studied with Felix's cousin, right? In the arts.
1: Absolutely, yeah. That was actually Christoph Drager, my my artist uh, body. We, we uh, studied at the uh, Kunstschule Luzerne, free arts. Uh, that's where we met. And he came from uh, another canton, Graubünden. Um, uh, to to Lucerne, and I came from Zurich. Uh, and yeah, somehow we we got to know each other there. He had he started already a year before. He started a bit earlier there, did the kind of the the first year. I did that in Zurich. Uh, but when we met each other, we understood each other very, very well. We also decided to live uh, together. That was uh, my first. Time living uh, not with my family it was kind of like really a new beginning. And uh, yeah, we had our students, uh, you know, uh, parties and it was a really great time. And at that time also, of course, um, he introduced me to many other people among uh, among them, uh, his cousin, uh, Thomas Baumgartner, and uh, later on, a bit later uh, on, also Felix, uh, the brother of Thomas. So I got to know the guys, and they were a bit different because they weren't artists; they were watchmakers, and they had really different, uh, different ideas. And they were so focused on on what they want to do. They had a the very clear idea of of uh, you know that they want to actually follow the footsteps of their uh, of of their father uh, first of all. Uh, but uh, later on, I realized that they're actually. Um, into the watchmaking world, uh, knee deep. Grand grandfather was already a watchmaker, so they they actually were in this situation, and not not unlike myself, you know, where you wanna, as a young man, you wanna somehow find out what 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 your thing is. My father uh, is uh, in also in the technical world. Or let's say in the in the science world, he is an engineer in in basic research, physicist, and so he was, uh, he was always confronting me with some real strange uh, concepts of, you know, space and time, of course. You know? So, so it's something that is familiar to me from childhood on, but I wanted to escape it a bit. And probably the reason why I chose art, uh, was a bit because you don't want to do it differently than your father, uh, or, you know, your, your predecessor, so to say. And same thing for, for uh, Thomas and for Felix. They also, uh, even though they were kind of like in the, footsteps of their ancestors, so to say, you know, with the watchmaking, but they wanted to do it differently. That's something that brought us together. The beauty of your partnership
2: is that Felix, real technical, real watchmaker, you came with a pure artistic view and design. You've set out that the mission of Uwewerk and the goal was the design and craft horology timepieces, blending tradition with futuristic vision? Yeah,
1: I would say at the beginning the futuristic vision. This is something uh, when you when you start creating something new doesn't even necessarily only concern watches. That was for me something uh, you know that they brought along. I was interested in time basically. I was that was something that uh, that I was also busy with, but I, actually while editing film. Time was actually my interest. It wasn't necessarily the watchmaking part of it first. So uh, that that strange notion of time, what what is it? If you you sit on an editing machine, at least that's how it was when you you worked uh, back at the day when when I studied film. Actually, after uh, the art school, I did uh, the film um, school. And so, it is, it is a, a strange thing that you have, uh, of course, what we do with, uh, with photography, that you stop time and you, you, you take a picture of the moment. And if you do that, you know, uh, one after the other, you can then, uh, of course, have all these pictures next to each other, um, turning, move, moving, and uh, you have film. So, so it's, it's kind of a, a strange kind of time machine that you create there. And I was experimenting with this i built sweat ropes, these machines you know the early machines where where one can you know see how that actually that principle how that works and it's such a fascinating thing and when you when you work with film, you see that you can you know spool back in time or you can spool to the future so you have this kind of a model that that many you know humans are basing their 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 the world upon uh, that is, uh, you know, past, present, and future. You have this model actually in front of you, even though when you then later on when you study this, you you discover that that's just a model and it's not the reality. However, I was I was busy with this, and when I got to know the the watchmaker brothers, I of course thought, okay, they must know more about this. You know, they, they must more, know more about uh, time because that's basically what they're <laughs> busy with. That's what they indicate. That's that's what watchmaking is, you know, dealing with, you know. So, so I was I was uh, starting asking them questions about that, and that's actually how we, how we uh, understood that we have uh, somehow common ground, and and it started, uh, you know, very much uh, like on, on this on this uh, level that we that we were interested in concepts. So that's also why we then later on started with the with the time indication that works slightly different, you know, than what we know. So you you study. As a child, uh, and your parents in the, in, in introduce you to to time to that concept. Or you you'll just learn it even you know intuitively even before that that you understand it. But you 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 learn it uh, later on uh, looking at the you know the time phase that we you know that's the, the the hands and it becomes like a, a pictogram in your mind you know and and if you do that differently and that's what we started with with our time indication, then you already have a a kind of like a surrealistic um, situation where you indicate time differently. So uh, somebody looking at it for the first time is puzzled and and doesn't understand it. And so you already change a bit the perception and you, you open, you open the the mind up for, for a new concepts, you know, regarding time. And that's very interesting because it's a, It's a a very philosophical notion. It's a from from the standpoint of the physicists, it's something that we don't understand. But from from us human beings, of course, we deal with time. It's something that is very close to us and that that we need to orient ourselves. So there's a lot of questions that are fundamental that come into play when you open and start this discussion. That's actually what what started our our company. Would say it's an experiment.
2: Uh, finding out what what is time. Thank you for that philosophical discussion because that's uh, ingrained in the brand and everything you do. You guys have such a philosophical angle Mm -hmm. about time and watchmaking. You've mentioned Felix's brother several times. Is he part of UREC today or has he ever been? Yes, he has been
1: at the very beginning. He's not anymore with us because we had at some point during our Um, history. We had issues. Uh, uh, Thomas, uh, he was uh, crucial, was super important. Also, the the Baumgartner brother that I got to know first, he's a bit older than Felix. Felix, at the time we began uh, with our work, he was uh, really still very young and he was still studying at the watchmaking school in Solothurn. Thomas um, uh, was uh, a very good, uh, you know, the 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 best friend, so to say, and cousin of of Christoph Drager that I talked about before, my artist buddy, and they had a common hobby, and that was actually looking out at, uh, at the record uh, exhibitions. You know, that they, they were like these rec- record fairs where they had these singles, and so they were uh, actually totally into sixties punk music, and they would go to these. Uh, Record fairs to to somehow dig out uh, you know bootleg uh, uh, records and singles and so they would come home with a with a, you know like a, a catch of, of of records and we also would sit together listening to this uh, to this uh, you know cult music and actually that's that's how how things began you know we would just hang out together look, listening to music talking about time and things. And uh, uh, step by step, I got to know the, the their world. And uh, Felix would, would uh, a bit later, as I said, would show up as well. He's a different character than Thomas. Uh, Thomas, he uh, um, had these uh, bipolar tendencies that later on became very important and difficult for him and for us. Um, but he had, a, and that was something uh, at the very beginning of Urbeck that was super helpful and was super important because when he was feeling good, he he didn't have didn't see any limits. He could he could imagine just to talk to basically everybody um asking them you know for support or for their interest or so so he was he he helped actually a lot you know uh, at the very beginning to to start work and to somehow connect us to our first clients and so it was in this sense it was um even though it was his his problem and his in, in this sense a disease you know that he had to deal with um it was it was uh, something that helped us a lot but later on this condition got more severe and it uh, just led to the to to a situation where we had to stop working together sadly enough but uh, yeah so in in uh, an endeavor in an experiment or you know in, in the uh, somehow uh, in the in the run of your of your history of your if your time creating something you face um, many obstacles and many difficulties and and it's uh, usually you know how you try to overcome these things you know how you try to somehow use these moments to to grow uh, or to somehow um, learn from mistakes and things and that that's somehow uh, propelling you uh, so it was it's uh, c- could have been the moment that stopped that would ha- I mean, could easily have been a moment that stopped that would have stopped the, our project but it didn't and, uh, but it was, it, it was uh, in time, it was very difficult. It was not what we wanted. We actually had the plan to, to do this thing, the three of us together. And that, at some point, was not possible anymore. And we had to somehow reorient ourselves and do it differently. But uh, this was not the only time we, we faced difficulties. Um, it's, it's, it's somehow part of it. It's,
2: it's guaranteed that you, that you face things like this thank you martin for sharing that beautiful and personal story it's sad what happened to thomas but beautiful how the three of you embarked on this journey and and that his actually disease maybe empowered him to think literally limitless because that's what you gentlemen did from day one and still do today Going from one brother to the other, I think that Rob has actually a very interesting question. So Rob, the mic is yours.
0: It's a very simple question. I just want to know that despite the fact that you and Felix came from very different backgrounds, you were united by shared values and concepts that have quite obviously gone on to form the perfect foundation of a long-term partnership. But what is it you like most about Felix as a person? In general, if you if you meet
1: somebody and it's possible to exchange uh, um and to somehow uh, learn things, you know, and uh, exchange quickly. It's, it's just always great to meet a, a, a good brain. That's what really it like. this: It's a pleasure. And we, from the beginning on, actually, I, I started, or step by step, I started realizing that my collaboration with, with Felix is a more intense and more, more fruitful, actually. That was something that I learned, that we can actually work very well together. And I, I'm not unfamiliar with this kind of uh, um, say character or this this, this um, kind of thinking. You know, also the thinking of uh, of uh, uh, an engineer. And watchmakers are engineers. Um, and Felix very much thinks like that. It's it's uh, as I said already before. When you when you when there's a problem, usually that's that's the moment that the engineers come to life. And I know that from my father very well. So I'm, so I, I understand this 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 kind of thinking That when 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 there's something to to resolve, or some some an issue to, to deal with, then uh, the the mind of a, of an engineer um, starts to you know unfold its full capacities. And it's just brilliant to see you know how that goes. You know, so so you never actually uh, when there's a a problem appearing you never you never look at it uh, as something negative this is this is the way to to deal with it you know and i actually met um an engineer uh, uh he's uh, the, the father of a friend of mine and uh, the, this his friend of mine uh knew that uh, that i'm a big fan of the space program and you know it's what I grew up with you know in the you know, being born in 1966. It's something that I experienced myself looking at this uh, TV uh, transmissions you know of uh, rocket launches and space uh, Apollo space explorations and things and of course also the science fiction films but also the the, the actual scientific explorations and things so um, I this friend of mine uh, told me, You got to know, you got to meet my father. And while I was new, living in New York, uh, I met uh, uh, her father, and he's a, a, an Apollo engineer, uh, Don Redke. Uh, he's a super cool guy. And, uh, you know, he told me a bit when I've met him, actually, not that long ago, uh, last time uh, in 2018, I was in Boston. I drove together. Uh, our American agent Phil Ogle. I drove to Hartford, where he lives, somewhere in the woods, and he has like this big house. and uh, The house is filled with you know with uh, memorabilia from his long time working for NASA. So he has uh, been on um, basically on all the programs like Apollo Eleven, you know, the first moon landing, and uh, you know also Apollo Thirteen. And so he would tell me, for instance, about uh, you know the situation there uh, with Apollo 13 and we know we know this story uh, there was a film um, uh, made later on you know that actually pretty beautifully shows you know that situation and the Apollo program became uh, boring a bit to many people they, they have seen it already it looked always a bit the same yeah they make it to the moon and it was actually an incredible achievement to make it to the moon without any trouble. And only the Apollo 13 showed that to the, to the TV uh, watchers, you know, that, uh, that there could be a problem, that there is a problem. So, so it was really, uh, uh, of course, uh, much more interesting to watch, you know, if there's something that goes wrong. Uh, but that was the moment the engineers, again, had to somehow, uh, you know, think fast and they had to try to resolve the, that problem that the astronauts faced just to bring them back. So it was a question of life and death. And that was something, of course, that, that uh, you know, the TV uh, uh, watchers would, would experience. So they were, uh, of course, drawn back into the story. But but now Don Ratke told me, because he was in the team of the uh, lunar landing module engineers, he was creating stuff uh, for, for the lunar landing module, the Lem. And I always, I was always fascinated by that object, by that uh, spacecraft, because it looked so special. It looked so strange. It's also a design thing that, uh, like, a, it's almost like a, something basic for me. You know, you look at it, you think, like, what? This looks like some weird spider or something. And it, it's not like a regular form, it's kind of something weird. It's, and, and it follow, it's just form follows function, basically, if you look at it precisely. So there's a lot of things that I read in, you know, looking at this object, but uh, that's a yet a different story. But they had to somehow bring these astronauts back, and they had a, a, a lunar landing module built on Earth, you know, the engineers, where they could go into uh, um uh, to to find all the objects that that existed exactly the same, so you had in space that the original, so to say, but on planet Earth you had an exact copy of it or an exact uh, same object with all the things that uh, were in the in the thing up in space, and so the engineers they would sit in there, you know, thinking about how to resolve the problem and see what objects they could use to somehow build that filter device that they needed to to actually save the astronauts in the end so so it was the way he described it you know and that's the spirit that i see with engineers in general that i find fascinating and that is also a, you know in a way um, how can i say it's 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 just a way of looking at the world you have and and artists share this of course you look at the world you 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 see the things that you that that surround you and it's it's just a beautiful thing that we have uh, all these different options, these different concepts, these different things. Like if that's nature or culture, that we can study, uh, uh, you know, during our lifetimes, and and uh, try to understand, you know, how the, how the whole thing works. You know, so there's a lot uh, of positive energy in the in the way uh, the engineers look at the world, and that's something that I found with uh, with Felix. Um, as, as you can find it with many engineers, but, but uh, he's a really clear mind.
0: It's really interesting to listen to that kind of story, because as fans of watchmaking, we don't get to see behind the curtain very often, so we don't get to see the development process. We don't know what kind of problems you face in the early stages yeah. of a project. What was your Apollo 13? Which watch caused you the most trouble? And was there ever a project that came close to splitting the partnership in two?
1: Uh, that actually never happened because it's, it's really, it's, uh, as I said, it, it's, uh, if there's a problem, that's actually the, the, the moments you enjoy, you know, most. So this is, this is actually when it's high life, you know, when there is a problem. But of course, with, with every project we did, we ever did, uh, that we had to face this, we also had certain projects that we started and we didn't finish because we just realized it's not possible or we, we, we found out it's not cool, you know, or so, but we invested already quite a bit of uh, work, you know, to, in order to do it. We, we, I'm sure we have about probably as many Urbeck watches that we didn't do that then, you know, uh, the watches that we did. So that's something I've never talked about. In fact, But we did, the many, you know, uh, tries that somehow ended Halfways, but that doesn't mean that these tries are for nothing they they, these tries they actually are super important they give you uh, ideas of course because of the in, in the same uh, kind of, of of thinking or thought uh, 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 process where you where you learn from mistakes you know so so we had for instance um, maybe i can tell this anecdote uh when Max Busser, who uh, was at the time still working for Harry Winston, asked us if we could do the next Opus project, that was the Opus 5, um, we had first a, a plan to to start with a, with a very, very complex idea. That's an idea that we had in our minds already for a while. It's kind of, a, the watch would have been called Time Bandit, and it would have been a, kind of like a digital watch. Where you have wheels spinning, like with a with a slot machine, and you have the lever. So if you would trigger the, lev- the lever, you know the the, the the wheels would spin, and then you push a button, and that stops the that would have stopped the, you know the spinning wheels, you know at the right time. So <laughs> very difficult to do mechanically, um, and so there were some concept ideas that that uh, somehow. Mm, led us to believe that it's possible. But we, we knew it's very difficult. And Felix at the time said, forget it, we don't have enough time to do that. It's just too complex. We also don't have the means to it. It's just forget it. You know, we can't do it. But Thomas, who's still with us at the time, he, uh, that was actually at that crucial moment, you know, where we realized it's difficult to work together because he somehow pushed it, even though it was not possible to do it and didn't want to let go. And he's somehow... Uh, yeah he 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 was too optimistic about it you see so it's it's uh, the engineer who also sees you know that uh, uh, that something is possible or maybe something is not possible right now this belongs to the skills you need you know in order to uh, to do things but you know the thinking about these problems of course uh, brought us further and i'm sure that at some point uh, we will do that watch and we also learned of course uh, um, from from thinking about this and, and other ideas already sparked out of it, So you can imagine you have kind of like a pot with ideas um, that you fill up. You know, in, 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 in uh, you know the, the course of time, you you put you put uh, these ideas in there and you collect it, and so they become your cosmos. They become your your, your field of toys, or so you know. And when you when it's about now creating a new watch, you go through these ideas. You 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 have uh, you see also connections between different concepts. And and then the first thing is not like how does this new watch how how is it going to look? It's actually what does the watch what what is the watch going to do? What is his job? What how does it look at the world? How does it tell time? Things like that. And, and so you, you feed this, um, you know, from these different uh, concepts that you were thinking about already. And, of course, then also some new ideas, things that you see uh, in the moment. Because I think the very moment that every moment starts anew is an incredible positive uh, chance, you know, that that is always served to us. Uh, it's, it's like um, it never had been before uh here it didn't exist but right now it offers us the chance to do things very differently and and in a way uh, that never that was never uh, you know here before. so no other human being than we now living at the very moment here had the, somehow the chance to face things the way they present themselves and of course that's not always, only positive things as we as we uh, know um, more today than maybe in other times. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it's always a, a, a moment uh, is is always offering you uh, unique chances to do things. And so you can, you can at that very moment create, you know, so that's, uh, yeah, that's that.
2: Amazing. And you actually Answered half of my one of my questions is one of my questions was your first professional public encounter and partnership with Max Busser mm-hmm. was indeed in 2005 when you guys together made the Harry Winston Opus Five collab. Yeah, that
1: was an important moment for Urwerk, of course, because um, we due to to the the collaboration with Harry Winston, uh, invited by Max Busser, we. Uh, had the chance to gain some attention, you know. We had our Ur 103 watch ready at that time, and we were just thinking about the next step. So when we did, when we realized, okay, we can't do the time bandit, we said, okay, let's do our next watch, you know, with uh, Harry Winston. Let's do our 200 line, you know. Let's start that one with the help of of, uh, of the Opus project. So our next Watch actually, uh, our next Urwerk watch uh, was in fact the Opus Five. Something that we had in mind, we wanted to do, you know, way to indicate time. Um, when you look at the Ur 103, you have uh, four satellites that we use there. And our first watches, they had only two satellites. There is a simple geometry that comes along with this time of, uh, I amid mean, uh, this kind of time indication, that we are. Uh, playing with here, uh, the, the hour that actually indicates uh, the, the, the hour that indicates the minutes, and that is that you have, uh, whether you have two satellites and you have on these two, you have uh, the odd numbers on one and the even numbers on the other, or you have three satellites uh, with three you have a, a more open um, a longer hour and you have more space for the indexes. So in a way, the three satellites is the best uh, way to do it. Um, it. Looks more, it looks very interesting. The, the the concept more interesting maybe than just two. The four satellites they they make that hour na- more narrow. So you have these three uh, possibilities, and we we, we uh, actually play with uh, with this indication and and find always new. <laughs> new possibilities. But it was uh, that very moment, you know, where we had um, worked on this project for, for Harry Winston that gave us uh, some more attention also for our work, uh, watches and for our own uh, stuff. And that was very important for us actually to, to start, um, uh, to start. We had more light, you know, with the, uh, with this project and, uh, that's actually the moment when it started to uh, de- to develop in a more um, yeah in a more serious uh,
2: way. I would say that's an amazing story, very historic and important in watchmaking. Um, Max Busser evolved from there, creating his own amazing brand, MBNF Max Busser Friends. Seventeen years down the line, you guys launched the Nitro watch, which is nicknamed the C3. H5, n three O nine. That's right. Would you mind sharing a bit about the watch and mm-hmm. how that partnership was and how it was to work together again 17 years down the line?
1: Since the days of the Opus 5, of course, we had the relationship with Mark Survey. We, uh, we were busy, you know, with our own project already for a couple of years and he was uh, he was working for Harry Winston, so he was there Um, kind of uh, yeah, he had some restrictions, he couldn't just do everything just exactly the way he wanted uh, you know, being part of the Harry Winston uh, situation he was at the the crucial um, junction in a way and I remember a a talk we had in in his car when he brought me to the the train station at some point uh, where he was just before before going to to New York to meet the guys from Harry Winston because he and he told me there uh, that that he wants to see if they somehow make him a part of the company and if they won't uh, he will start his own thing so he was he was a bit in between and if they would have uh, accepted his uh, his ideas then uh, the whole thing would have turned out a very different way but the uh, they didn't, and so he uh, then started his own ambient F project that that he dared to do. I would say because we already proved a bit, you know, that that's a that's a that's a way to do it, you know. So he was inspired by us, and we were uh, somehow helped by him. It was kind of like a, a and it still is, a, a relationship that uh, that we both profited from. In, in our ways. And at some point, uh, a bit later down the, the, the history uh, lane, we, we actually had this concept, this idea to do a collaboration project, just to also emphasize our, our friendship, you know, and our, our common goals. And we said, would be great, and that was really a time where that was not done, like a collaboration of two brands, you know, uh, to have two brand names somehow like sitting next to each other, that was actually originally my my plan. I've, I thought it would be great to have a watch that, that somehow shows two brands, uh, you know, um, on them, like so somehow this crossover. It, the, the crossover thing was already a, a notion that I knew uh, in art. Uh, it's something that that was done before, and it was something interesting to explore, you know, in this. Uh, in this Nitro project, and uh, so the plan there was that we um, bring in something for this watch, and um, MB and F, who was just uh, the very beginning of their endeavor, or yeah, pretty much, um, and they would they would uh, bring in something, and so the, 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 the because we we had actually. Uh, founder of, again, this, this project, this collaboration with the idea to continue maybe later on with other ideas. And um, we said, okay, first time, uh, you do the design. Uh, and that would be Mark with and friends, you know, you guys do the design with Eric um, as the designer. And we actually contribute the concept of the mechanism the ideas of the movement and actually we had this concept already thinking about the um, wankel uh, engine it's a, it's a really intriguing um, mechanical co- concept the wankel uh, concept uh, it's of course as a motor it's interesting because it solves problems but also as a mechanical Um, as moving mechanical art, it's interesting because you have kind of like an off-center movement of parts and you have something that I find super interesting. If you move, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, a part in that particular way, as you do it with with the Monkel engine, you get actually, you get, um, let's say, a hand that um, speeds up and slows down on, on its path. That means the indexes, if you have uh, say minute or hour indexes, the indexes they, they change in sp- in distance. So along this this acceleration of the of the hand, the indexes have to of course be wider apart of each other, and then again narrower. And that's 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 something a notion that I find super interesting. So you have a, you you because the that mechanical part is speeding up, and slowing down on its co- course, you you have to deal with it actually free, reflecting this you know with the, with the indexes.
0: It must be a bizarre thing to witness, but also another one of those beautifully philosophical time engines that is what we come to Överk and Latterly MB and F for. This collaboration, when you first pursued it, was, of course, very unusual at that time. But it's becoming more and more common to see brands collaborate with one another and openly co-brand products. Earlier this year, we saw the Omega Swatch, Moon Swatch yeah. collaboration. We've seen MBNF f collaborate with other brands as well, like Bulgari most recently, as far as I remember, and Moza before that. Do you have plans to do any more cross collaborations with any other brands? And if not, who would you like to work with?
1: I mean, we did uh, actually use this project uh, only watch uh, in order to do collaborations, and we did there a couple of projects where we explored this a bit. It's always not it's not so easy to do it, and also maybe that's an aspect um, of any collaboration that when you when you are actually doing it, you have positive aspects of it. That means you you can somehow put your your skills together and you can and you can create something where you have you bring in in the best case you know both worlds and the best of both worlds uh you know to 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 merge and to somehow uh, you know to 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 express themselves you know uh, together and it's also what i find fascinating about it is um that you have like a surrealistic, like a a um, uh, mer- merging of of two entities. Uh, let's say when we work together with Dun, for instance, for an only watch project, uh, it's just incredibly cool to see Dübbedün and Uweq merged. That's everybody wants to see this, you know. I mean, everybody in the watch world, you know. Uh, and so it is, it's this just uh, fascinating to to play this out, and then you see how you somehow you know work with with these uh, different characters. And of course, you know, these are strong characters. These are, and that maybe goes a bit to the other side of, of, of it, when you have like strong individuals, you know, who have their clear ideas and who know exactly what they want or have their visions and so on. Um, it can sometimes be a bit more difficult, you know, because they, they somehow then insist on their, their things, you know, and they want to do it this way, that way. So it's friction, but friction, as we know now, is interesting, and it's uh, it. Uh, it uh, that's o- also part of of that, of that energy that you know that is in something. When you do it together, that friction, that the conflict, and also the the you know in the end when you create a piece to to show that it's possible that you can actually create something together, and the result is then visible you know, hopefully in a good way. And now you ask me if you would have uh, any further uh, dreams of collaborating. Uh, I have to say it's for Urwerk, and that's something that I, that I see is super positive and super, uh, it's actually really great and it's something that changes, you know, in time. At the very beginning, we could not just select somebody, you know, in the field or even outside the, the, the watchmaking field for that matter. Uh, to collaborate with you know, but the the more we get to be known who uh, work that's really a cool side of it, the more we can actually choose you know who we want to collaborate with and we can we can think about and really that the most uh, you know fancy or, or strange you know uh, co- collaboration partner. Um, as I said it doesn't even necessarily need to be in the field of uh, of watches only. And so this this that 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 we can actually pick, start to be able to pick somebody um, that we like you know to work together with. Uh, you know that's that's really a pleasure that we didn't know uh, at the beginning. That's something that comes along with the success or with the, you know with the fact that you are a bit um, known more. So this is really enjoyable, uh, but I of course won't tell you know what what we have in mind there because <laughs> I'm
0: coming up. But I, I mean, uh, what what the mind can think, you know, I would say that. You know, it's obviously very common for watch companies to collaborate with car companies, but of all the brands in the world, that's probably not ervo's best bet because I think any driver would be so distracted by the time telling device on their dashboard that they drive into a tree within about five minutes of setting up
1: I certainly would know a driver uh, who' would be uh, perfect for 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 that but we will we will Ooh. see you know if you end up doing this you know it, it, it depends no but of course you know um, it can be the the more obvious things uh, we had we, we were really happy to at some point understand uh, that we are on the on the mood board or on the inspiration board of Berlini, um, uh, you know, the designer uh, of Lamborghini. That was great. We went to visit him in Bologna there, you know, to look at the cars. He would show his designs and to understand that he's inspired by Urwerk. That was really great. But also we had, we had uh, at some point met a Japanese gentleman who told us about his plans to create a, an electric car, um, sadly enough, that didn't came didn't come to fruition. But that would be also something that I find interesting to, to somehow support, um, you know, new technologies, you know, and also be part of that development of it. Um, but then there are also iconic, you know, brands, you know, in the car world that that live from from a mysticism or so, or from from a name. Uh, that would be fascinating to work together with. So there's 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 many things that, that one can find already just in this field, but I mean there's there's of course other uh, other uh, you know uh, other things other other worlds that in, are fascinating. For instance, something that we are busy with um, and we are working on already now is our atomic clocks. There, you know, you you have a uh, technol- technology, or i us say. Um, Technicians or physicists, in fact, who develop atomic clocks, and they're actually the the contemporary watchmakers who follow that uh, actually that old goal to create the most precise watch or clock. Um, And this also takes place in Switzerland, and we aligned ourselves with actually at the university in Neuchatel, you know, where they developed these uh, atomic uh, modules, and we created together. With them, uh, our atomic clock uh, project, the AMC and the, you know, the Atomolith, as we call it, uh, this is like a part of our work where we, um, where we are doing this kind of crossover with the most contemporary watchkeeping or timekeeping um, uh, technology, and uh, that's also super fascinating. It it's, it then forces with uh, creating the, the objects, the, the watches, you know it forces our watchmakers to, to somehow get uh, familiar and comfortable with uh, contemporary uh, technology. And that, of course, includes electrics and electronics
0: and stuff. Uh, let's, uh, let's talk about those contemporary watches for a moment. What's the most recent release that you've had for the Overt collection?
1: Uh, most recent release is, in fact, uh, 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 our UR-102. Um, uh, very in this sense atypical because it's like a, 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 a let's say a homage yeah. that we that we uh, do give our to our first Uhrwerk watch. Uh, you know we we started and we, we we do that of course now because we have our twenty fifth anniversary. Um, let like our first watch and you started. So differently when you do the first watch, of course, this is somehow the first watch, you know, the first of the first thing, and you 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 do it exactly the way you want it. You know, you have ideas, you know, of 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 this and they are somehow pure. They are not yet influenced by anything else. You know, so they're somehow really a bit naive. You know, obviously, and so it's interesting to then look back after a while and and see what you did and 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 uh, uh, somehow rethink it. And we did that together now with the first uh, uh, watch that we that we do in a frame uh, with the Swiss Institute. That's yet another crossover in the sense, you know, where we do uh, work together with uh, with an art uh, um, institute, so to say. I, as a young student um, and uh, uh, as a young artist, I moved to New York because New York was just a place to be, and. Um, I I was really happy to have the Swiss Institute there, like an organization where young artists, you know, uh, could go and uh, meet other artists. There were exhibitions, cool stuff happening in New York. Maybe an exhibition on the Clock Tower building, things like that. So it was really great. But th- that was there in or- an organization that helped me also with its studio, with its with its uh, um, with its uh, programs, you know. And <clears throat> now. Uh, we do a collaboration project with them where we will auction off uh, this uh, this watch that we just created um, that actually shows uh, a new version, a new rendition of our first UR 102. And we collaborated with a, with a young artists for that. That was suggested by the Swiss Institute to us. Um, it's Cooper Jacobi. He's a He's a really cool guy, young artist who works with the physical world as artists do it, but he had a really cool idea, and that is to, to create a, a display that indicates and shows temperature change. And uh, this is a notion that is more and more important in our times. And, and I also found it funny because our first watches, this were 102 and 101, mm-hmm. He presented at the, at the Basel Fair back in the day on heating plates. <laughs> to me, it's, uh, it's it's kind of cool, you know, that he came up. I mean, totally not connected to this to this thing, but he came up with this idea. Um, it's it's an alarming situation we face. Uh, of course, global warming, and if you have uh, next to time an indication that tells you about the change in temperature. Uh, it's it's somehow also pointing out that the temperature is something that we have to start paying attention to and uh, and, and be uh, alarmed. But also it's very beautiful at the same time. that's a, that's that's of course another another uh, effect of it because you have a, a dial that changes its color depending on on the temperature that it is facing. So if you heating it up, you are heating it up at your own temperature. That is then resulting in, in, a, in a different color. So that's a that's a newest collaboration, first rendition of our of our edition of the Ur uh, 102. And um, but another another project that we just launched is actually the Ur 120. Uh, it's uh, as I always call it. It's the Ur we have like a. Uh, in a kind of like evolutionary process going because I'm working together with uh, Felix and he's working together with me and with our, with our whole team um, on, a, on an ongoing um, research project, let's so say. So every watch that we create somehow, as I already described it, includes all the other watches that we already did. So it's kind of like a, uh, on different levels, maybe not always in the same watch, but it's kind of like a continuing uh, process, you know, of developing these different themes that we are
0: interested in. This one is really, really special. I saw this in its early prototyping stages in Geneva uh, in the Erwerk HQ. And I couldn't believe what I was seeing. The, the numbers themselves, the blocks, actually split apart as they move around the dial. How many months or years did this contraption take for your watchmakers to conceive? So we had actually a uh, uh, predecessor
1: of the UR-120 uh, is the UR-110. And we, we had at some point in time, we had to stop the UR-110 because we can only, because we produce ab- around uh, 150, a bit more now, watches a year. So we, we are limited uh, in, in our production. So we usually have to stop uh, a model in order to, to begin a new one. So this is, this is the, our situation. And therefore, we had like our last five pieces of the UR110 at some point. And we did like a a really nice last five watches that uh, that were featuring a wooden intarsia um, uh, shield, so to say, as the the top of the watch. And um, it also had additional locks because we worked together with our London tailor friend, Timothy Everest. Who made us a cool um, tweed strap to the watch. And so the wood um, made the watch look very different because you normally have metal. It's a very different uh, material. Wood, you know, is warm. It's kind of like, it's very different. Different feelings that it triggers when you look at it. And also together with this tweed strap, it became had a, you know a bit more cultural so to say a bit more a bit more refinement to it it was less a technical you know metallic uh, expression, and something that I really enjoyed and based on that last piece you know i i developed together with the urberg team this ur one hundred twenty um, but uh, with the first piece, I, I, I saw that there's a bit uh, too much. Actually, the watch was quite thick on one end because I wanted to have it very sleek on the other. Uh, because the, somehow the main thing, of course, with the watch is that we see the time indication peeking out from underneath of your sleeve. So at that end, you know, uh, you know, you want to have the watch very sleek, slim, and that at the time. Uh, was only possible if, if on the other side of the case you know you had a, you had therefore a, a you know a thicker uh, case and uh, that uh, I didn't like that much actually to be honest. but uh, however, uh, with the next step now with is UR 120. Uh, the plan was to do actually again a watch, you know, that has this sideways uh, time indication that uh, that you can read easily, you know, peak when the uh, watch is peeking out just half ways, you know, from underneath of your sleeve, and it has uh, this kind of orbital, you know, mechanism that uh, that helps to to guide the the satellites, i so say, you know, talking in my jargon here. And um, you know, to, to make the watch uh, flatter, more ergonomic, more sleek, uh, we had to somehow come up with an idea, and we worked on a on an idea to split the, the cubes. You know, so if you if you split the cube, and you have you have the cube, uh, you know, split in two, um, you you can of course make it half just have the, the thickness, you know. So that's the, the, the cool idea. And that helped us, uh, you know, together with a few other measurements to make the, uh, the watch much more sleek. And also, additionally to the to that um, uh, idea, I, I changed a bit something on the case. I learned actually from the Nautilus optic uh, and Nautilus case that I find fascinating. Sh- Cheryl Chanta is really uh, it's about watch design, of course, um, uh, a designer that you can't avoid. You have to somehow learn from it. because it's. Uh, if, if there is somebody in the field, it's definitely a that uh, came up with the most um, contemporary or most interesting concepts. And one thing, of course, I like is, uh, like many people, is that way the way the, the Nautilus is actually, the case is actually put together. That gives it this special look, you know, with this... Uh, Overlapping parts on the sides. I uh, re- redid this. I um, and you look at the watch. You don't think about the Nautilus, but but I use the concept, and I find that fascinating of how the the case is actually screwed together. So you have the top part and underneath part that somehow grip um, into each other in a special way, and then it's uh, screwed actually together the case from the sides. You know, so you have actually that round edge make the watch look like a pebble. So that were actually these two these two uh, new concepts came into into our uh UR one hundred line, one hundred and ten line. So it's now the UR 120. And of course, you know, we discovered that when the watch is doing this split, you know, it's it's at the same time doing the Vulcan salute. And <laughs> And we like nicknames, so we, we just began to call it, you know, Spock, uh, internally, and 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 so because you know we are we are trackies, you know, every one of us. Uh, as you said, you know, growing up with science fiction films, I could go into a whole other, you know, long uh, rather. St- speech, you know, <laughs> talking about uh, our love for, for science fiction films and why that is. Um, but uh, that's definitely the case and I would say it's for many, many um, for us human beings, it's just a part of it. You know, we want to, we need to somehow reach out and, and think the future in order to plan and to adjust our path. And and so science fiction films are just a uh, part of, of, of the way we, we see the world, right? So actually, yeah, the cool ones, you know, they, they are inspiring, you know, the ones that are utopic, they are even more inspiring than the ones that just talk about scientific progress.
0: It's really interesting to hear you describe the case shape as a pebble. We recently spoke to Lauren Ferrier, who, of course, has this whole galley line, -hmm. which is inspired by pebbles. But I mean, when you look at that watch and you look at your watches, you couldn't get two more different interpretations Mm -hmm. of what a pebble is. And I love that about watchmaking. I've always loved that about watchmaking. And I think that that is exactly what Irvic has always brought to the table, that different way of looking at things. And talking of a different way of looking at things, Mm -hmm. I had a question come in from my former colleague Ben Hodges from Fratello, and he's a big fan of URVIC, especially Mm -hmm. the orbital models with the displays along the bottom of them. But he asks, will you ever make a display that runs from left to right rather than right to left? So the numbers going from zero to 60 from left to right.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, It's an interesting question. We had to deal at some point, and I remember that vividly. We had to at some point decide how we want to do it, you know, because it's, of course, with our time indication, it's, it's, uh, it can be decided, you know, it's, it's, uh, both, both things are possible and they don't, uh, they don't, I don't know. The question is, how would they, would that affect us? You know, if it goes the other way around. And we at the time, we thought it's better we go the way that time normally runs, you know, in a regular watch. So we thought, okay, don't want to break with all the conventions and go backwards, so to say, even though of course that's not the backwards. But that's actually that's actually the reason why we did it. We thought, okay, no, it's it's the direction of the hands that the the time flows. It's a convention or somehow a paying regards to, 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 to somehow this other time-telling principle that we are much more familiar with. But it's absolutely true. One could one could do it the other way around. And um, up to now, we didn't do it. But, uh, you know, why not explore all the possibilities that are offered? Uh, I know from, from my art uh, uh, professor back in the day, uh, Roman Signer, that he, well, uh, it's actually something that he told me at some point. You know, be careful. Don't play with too many tools. You know, this is limit the tools you you play with. So I don't know if that falls on the this on uh, <laughs> the this rule, but uh, no, no, it's 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 uh, it's an absolutely legitimate question, and it was really together, Felix and Thomas and and I, we decided. Uh, at some point in time that we want to do it, that we want to, you know, count or, or somehow walk walk this way, you know, with the time, like this, follow this
0: this direction. Well, if you need a partner in crime to bring it to life, maybe we could agree for it to be the first real-time show special edition for a good cause. But, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yes. if you need some help.
1: <laughs> no, no, absolutely. I mean, this is, see, th- th- that's uh, fascinating to do this and then to find out. You know what does it change in 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 the perception that uh, do, do we get from from this? And usually that's my motto to say: if you indicate time differently, then you also get a different answer by that. You know about what time is. That's that's to, to me uh, fundamental. It's it's like if you want to be a researcher, a philosopher, or a, a, even as a physicist, you know. To understand about uh, time, you have to you have to use a different model. That's the way it works, and then you then you start understanding, uh, you know, a bit more about what time is. And and already that to let it run the other direction would probably uh, trigger uh, different uh, you know feelings. So it would be definitely interesting to do it to find out what that would. Be. But you know, there's, there's other ways. If you have a linear uh, indication, that's some, for instance something we tried out. That yet is a very different way of, of, of uh, understanding time. If time is somehow uh, you know limited to to a certain moment and then has to again fill in. So this this is this is like a cut continuum in a way. Even though of course it's not in real, it's not cut, but it's it's somehow adds artificially a cut in time. So these things are spe- special. When you look at the Swiss train station clock and you look at the second hand, you see that the second hand moves uh, throughout its uh, you know segment until it's back up at the position 12, so to say. And then it stops. The, the hand stops for a moment. It's just staying there. Uh, and when you look at this, precisely you think that Maybe your heart stands still, you know, because the hand doesn't move anymore, and then it, it jumps, you know, with one jump, it jumps again into the new minute. And I've always found it fascinating. It's fascinating how that somehow, if you really look at this, you think like, ah, but these watches are super precise. This is the Swiss idea of precision, you know, at the train station where the train is, you know, a kind of like a moving like a clock. But these clocks that do indicate time at the train stations, they have this strange second that stops and stands still for, for, for way too long. So, <laughs> so you have there already a, a somehow this kind of like surrealistic moment, you know, where t- time stands still. Another thing connected to this that is interesting I know that cultures um, uh, look at time like this that if you're waiting, if you have to wait for a bus or if you have to wait for something. Uh, time stands still. It's it's not running. It's, it's also an interesting notion that uh, when you have when you follow this belief or this concept, uh, you you're actually losing time waiting, and that's also quite freeing. You know, if you if you can think, yeah, time stands still. It's not counting. You know, <laughs> it's all about the way you know
2: you you look at time. I. Have a zillion more questions for you. We would really love it and be honored if you come on the show again next year. Sure, with pleasure, absolutely. I I have such a long list. I wanted to ask you about designing watches. And Ben mm-hmm. stole my thunder a bit. If you would ever make a ultra classic three hand watch, which I'm not gonna ask, because you ended so philosophically on that strange train station clock, which. I never understood as a kid because that's one of an early memories I have from Switzerland. And I asked my dad, why does that clock stop? (laughs) Um, And that's another philosophical discussion why that happens. But I want to end the show because I know you need to go. But I really want to ask you this. You guys have stated, and, and I quote, When we innovate, we enjoy the freedom of tolerating no restrictions or taboos upon that quote i want to ask you so where does freedom in that process for felix and martin stop mm. what are the limitations where do you guys hit a a brick wall well
1: one has to probably uh, admit that uh, one's own imagination is the limit but that can of course uh, always be tested and i would say that's exactly the reason why you are and that's how nature does it. Do in fact, that's why you you are um, committing to a to an evolutionary process. So how you think, you know how? And that's of course a big um, uh, say a compar- comparison. That uh, <laughs> that is a bit uh, daring. But if you look at nature, nature started with nothing. Nature started as a. I don't know as a I don't know a molecule, you know, but that is already big, pretty much in 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 I don't know in the in the, in the soup, you know, <laughs> on our planet Earth, you know, before anything was existing, and it in time and time is there truly something that one has to run through one's mind, you know, the eons of time, the the millions of years that you know. Our nature and our planet had time to develop what what it has now to 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 show, to to present to us. You know what we then at some point when we joined in, what we were able to face, and then we of course uh, every year we are, we are we are we are actually busy with you know destroying you know entities. You know which is a sad thing, but just saying, you know millions of years. Um, of evolutionary steps, small steps um, next to each other, a bit like that film that I mentioned, you know, like one image next to the other, in in, a, in an endless chain you know, of of, of evolutionary steps, created this this uh, this uh, very crazy and um, you know beautiful and, and scary and incredibly varied, you know, image of, of, our, of our planet. And when you look around, you have many planets that are, uh, you know, beautiful, maybe from far away, you know, like Mars, white, red, you know, <laughs> beautiful. But it's a sand, uh, it's a quite sandy pit, you know, I would say. And you can, you can also marvel about that because that can also look beautiful. Or if you look at another planet like Saturn or Jupiter, or, I don't know, even farther away, uh, beautiful things, but but you know uh, our planet is special, and we had an incre- incredible you know explosion of creativity here. But that takes a lot of time, you know, to have this ver- this variety of things. And so with Urwerk, we do a bit of that, you know, but in our very humble, small way. But I, I think you do it step by step, and if you do it step by step. Then at some point, you all of a sudden look back on, a, on, a, on, a, on an interesting development, you know, that you wonder how did that come about, <laughs> you know. But it's only done by by this process that you're in step by step and you also have then somehow connection because if you do it step by step and if you do it uh, coherent, if you do it, you know, one develops out of the other, if you have the um, consistency or if you follow concepts or themes, you know, with your work, you you end up uh, looking at something that can make a comment, you know, to the time to the time it was made in, and that's actually the main goal that you can make a comment. Even though it's a small thing, you're in the world of watches. You're not changing the world in this sense, maybe the conception or the the the, the understanding of time, if ever possible. You add something to shapes, beautiful shapes, concepts, but that's the plan.
0: Well, I think you've achieved it. I think Iverk has more than any other brand I can think of left its mark on horology quite firmly over the last two and a half decades. Thanks for joining us, Martin. We'll definitely get you back on the show for another chat because I think we could probably record 10 podcasts with you without any kind of rehearsal. If you would like to get in touch with us, remember you can contact me on Instagram at RobNuds, that's R-O-B-N-U-D-D-S, and you can contact Alon at Alon Ben Joseph, that's A-L-O-N-B-E-N-J-O-S-E-P-H, or you can send us direct emails either at rob at the or Alon at the We'll be back next week. Until then, stay safe and keep on ticking.